Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Y'all are a good-looking group. Both sides looking good today. Are you glad to be here? Hey, man, we're going to have a great week this week. Starting off this morning, as you can see, we have a boat behind us, and there were waves up there, but now that we're on live stream, I guess they took them off. It's going to be a great week of Vacation Bible School. My name is Dwayne. I'm the worship pastor here, and I just want to welcome you. If you are visiting with us today, would you please take a moment and fill out the Connect card that was in your bulletin and um, put it in the offering buckets on the way out. You don't have to give an offering, but put an offering put it in the offering bucket. And if you're a first-time visitor, we are going to make a donation in your name to one of our local outreach partnerships. So we encourage you to do that, and you'll be making a difference in one of our partnerships. And of course, if you have a prayer request, we would love for you to put your prayer request on here so we can pray for you. It's going to be a, oh, I'm just so excited about today. And we get to open the service with baptism. Amen? Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into Lindsay Lane. As Dwayne said, we get to begin our service today with baptism. This is Miss Kinley Holt. Come on down, Kinley. Would y'all let Miss Kinley know that you are for her and proud of her this morning? Amen. All right. Good job, Kinley. Right here. So Kinley and her mother came into my office not too long ago and uh, shared what the Lord has been doing in her heart and that she's called on Jesus to be saved. And today she comes to, uh, to give us that picture again of what it, go, what it means to go from death to life and faith in Jesus Christ. So, Kenley, have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Amen. Based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. God, that you make your message simple and strong enough that a child can respond. And Lord, I, I just pray for those of us that are grown. God, it gets harder sometimes to get over ourselves when we're grown. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would guide us today into all truth, away from ourselves. Lord, that we would lower ourselves before you. I thank you for Kinley. I thank you, Lord, for her step of obedience, her testimony of faith. I thank you for this church, this great church, Lord, that you've raised up over so many years. God, I pray for vision and wisdom for us, Lord. We pray today, God, as we preach your word, as we sing your truth, that all of this would be full focused on you and your glory. And we love you and praise you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Stand and sing with us. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice for the same old lives. You're trying to fill the same old holes inside. There's a better life. There's a better life. If you've got pain. Searched for the light of day in the dead of night. 
we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. All run the things we know just ain't right. There's a better life. There's a better life. If you've got trapped in a, in a life that wasn't reflective of, of Christ, uh, in adultery, um, in addiction. Um, I got sat right there in that pew and brother Dusty brought a message on tithing had nothing to do with anything that I was going through. And that day my life changed forever. And I met Jesus, this church nursed us back to health, helped to restore our marriage. And as we prepare to leave, we're moving back to Texas and leave the first and really only faith family we've ever had. Uh, Dwayne asked me to lead this morning, and the first song that I was blessed to lead here was Come As You Are. And so if you're here this morning, um, I just want to tell you that when I walked through those doors, I didn't deserve the love that this church showed me. I didn't deserve the chance that this church gave me, um, and I didn't deserve the way that people here treated me. So if you're not a part of this church, this morning, I would beg you uh, to, to take that into account because, folks, they let me in. Uh, and, and, and that's saying a lot where I was at eight years ago. Uh, this church desires to walk with you, they desire to, to disciple you um, and to lead you along in your journey. And I would urge you to allow them to do that. We love you all so much. It's been a fantastic time here and we're going to miss you very much. Thank you. 
Zach. Thank you, Zach, and praise team. You may be seated. Again, that's just the way Christ calls us, just as we are, just as I am without one plea. And so I hope and pray that you know him this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's made the difference in your life. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And again, as part of worship, as we continue our time of worship, we want to pray over our offering this morning and if you have an opportunity to give, the, our offering buckets are out in the foyers, and so you may uh, drop your offerings off there. You can give online you, uh, through our website at lindsaylane.org. You can text LLBC to 73256 and text to give as well. But we certainly want to be faithful. God's been so faithful to us, and uh, we're just so grateful uh, 
that uh, we get the opportunity to worship him through our giving and through our singing and praise and and then hearing the word together this morning. So I'm going to pray for our offering time this morning and this week and pray for our pastor as he comes to share the message this morning. And so uh, let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful. We're so grateful, Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful, Father, that you've accepted each and every one of us just as we are. Lord, I thank you for Zach's testimony this morning. Lord, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise for how you've worked in his life. and Father, it's a privilege for us to come together as a church family to worship, to sing your praises, and to bring our tithes and our offerings and just to give back a portion of all that you've so richly blessed us with. So, Father, we receive these offerings this morning and throughout this week, Lord, and we pray that you would give us wisdom as we utilize it the very best that we can so that others might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray for our pastor this morning as he stands before us to bring the word. Father, would you anoint Brother Andy John in the power of your Holy Spirit as he speaks to us the truths of your word. Give us open hearts and ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. May we receive it with joy and love. And Father, may it convict us where we need to be convicted. May your spirit just work in our hearts and lives and you would just seal the message in our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Turning your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. As you are turning to 1 John chapter 1, again, I want to give you just a couple of announcements on the front end. Uh, I usually don't preach in front of a pirate ship this week is vacation bible school right so uh and y'all we have over 400 pre-registered children amen praise god for that yes yes that's enough to pray over amen so i hope that you are praying this week all week long and uh praying over our volunteers praying over our our children as they're coming in to hear the word of god we are super excited about this week Second thing, uh, on Wednesday night at our prayer service, I had asked uh, those that were in attendance to, to pray for the leadership of this church as we make decisions, make decisions moving forward. And so with that being said, uh, we feel confident that it's best for our church to move to one group time and one service time. So beginning on the first Sunday in July, I believe that's July the 4th, we will go to 9 a.m. groups and 1030 worship. Uh, it won't affect you as much as it did the first service. Uh, we had some people actually clap in the first service, and I was like, well, that's good. Um, that didn't represent everybody, but uh, we, we are uh, excited to, uh, to bring our, our church back together in that way. We think it'll be good for the body altogether, but also for our volunteers, for our groups. And so July the 4th, beginning then, we'll go to 9 a.m. groups, 1030 worship, and uh, we look forward to, to seeing you again. So you guys have already got the 1030 worship part going. Good for you. Uh, just, just, just getting a group now, amen. So... Uh, hope, I know that many of you are, and groups is how we minister to our church and how you minister to each other, so I uh, pray that you would uh, get in a group and be a part of that. You'll be hearing more from me about this in the future, but really, if you want to know what, what we can do at this church, what do we do at this church, there's three things we want you to do. We want you to gather, group, and move. You're part of the gathering, very good. Uh, the group part is to, to get in so that you can be ministered to and so that others can minister to you or so that you can minister to others. 
and then to move with the body as we minister to others, as we go out, as we reach in. Those are the three things we want our church to be a part of as we see it being loyal to the Scripture. So, uh, again, we're glad that you're here. Looking forward to this week. And uh, just keep note of that change as it's not in your bulletin, uh, but it will be soon. And uh, we look forward to all being together on July the 4th, all right? I think we're going to give away fireworks on July the 4th. I'm pretty sure at the end. And y'all are like, he's kidding. I don't think I'm kidding. I actually think we're going to give away some fireworks. So, so be here, all right? All right, First John. First John, we begin today a new sermon series called IRL, or In Real Life. IRL, standing for In Real Life, is often used to distinguish between life for real and the online world. So that is to say that in the online world and in real life world, one person can be two different people. What does that mean? So just an example, in a video game, I've had a hole in one. Many multiple holes in one. In real life, I've never really come that close to even having one. So IRL, not, not that good. But video game, great. There are others more serious examples of this. On social media, we can be big, bold, and brash, and critical, but IRL, we would never say that to somebody's face. See, two different worlds, one person, two different people, two different worlds. But the Christian, our in real life, is supposed to be determined by the word of life. We are to, in this sermon series, we'll see, we are to simply and seriously align our life with the word of life. Of God, And what we'll tackle today specifically is in real life living in fellowship. What does it look like to really live in fellowship as seen in the scriptures? Lord, just pray, oh God, thanking you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us. And because you have, I pray that we would line up with you. Spirit of God, would you guide us into all truth? away from ourselves, towards the righteousness of God. We pray for wisdom for today and vision for the future. God, we thank you for how you have protected us, and we pray that you would purpose this church for a long time for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name over Vacation Bible School, Lord, this is an opportunity to share the gospel with many people who have not yet believed. Lord, the community will come in all week long, and especially Thursday night, family night, and we're just praying, oh God, that you would use your church to spread the good news that God saves. Bless and protect those that are volunteering. I pray, oh God, that we would pray all week long. Lord, as we move together as a church into the future, Lord, that you would keep us unified, one in spirit, one in purpose. And help us, Lord, to do your bidding on this earth, to work for you, to serve you, to grow in you. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are and for knowing who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Living in fellowship. Living in fellowship. What you're going to see in 1 John chapter 1, in the first section there, verses 1 through 4, is a proclamation. The Apostle John is writing to the church at Ephesus, but actually it's a circular letter that is being written to one church to be passed around to a bunch of churches. And, and he's writing this as an announcement of declaration that on behalf of himself, an apostle, and the other apostles, that they were eyewitnesses of God. And they were not only just eyewitnesses, but they had a personal companionship with the living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says in verse 1, for the sake of establishing credibility within a culture of a bunch of false teachers, 
people that are going against the gospel, going against the culture of Christianity. He says to them, to establish credibility in the face of false teaching, we've heard Jesus. We have seen him with our own eyes. We have touched him with our own hands. We've seen his benevolence. We've seen his power and miracles. We have heard the authority of his teaching. And we are writing to you so that you know this is the one true God. He says in 1 John, this is the one who existed before the world began, eternity past. This is the one that we've been waiting on. He is God. I love getting to greet y'all on the way in. It's probably my, my, the favorite part other than preaching and receiving salvation during the invitation is greeting. I just, if I served in a church, I would love being a greeter. I love coming to church, and I'm glad to see you when you're here. And on the way in, sometimes I get to talk to people, and they add to the sermon, and they don't even know it. As we're talking about Jesus being the one true God, I was speaking with a, some grandparents, and they were talking about their grandson this morning, and, and how when they were explaining to him through really family discipleship, they were explaining to him, he said, so Jesus is God? And she's like, yes, Jesus is God. And he was like, well, that's awesome. You know, because kids teach us, like, if you've been in this all your life, in this culture, believing that Jesus is God, when you first hear for the first time that God Almighty has made it plain who He is, that's awesome. And so, so what you're seeing here is that the Apostle John, for the first time in the world, is getting out to the churches. We have seen God Almighty. We've seen Him. We've, we've touched Him with our hands. We've, we're, we've been His companions. We've followed Him. We've seen the power of God. We, we've heard him speak with the authority of God like no other. And the scripture says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, He was with the Father and now was revealed to us. As we consider living in real life, as we consider how we are supposed to live before God, accountable to God, there are three major declarations in this first section that we want to look at just briefly before we actually make it to the meat of the message. But this, this first Three things out of the first few verses of 1 John. Listen to this. Jesus is the word of life. Jesus is life. And Jesus is eternal life. That's, that's what's in the scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, these as we live are major declarations that should challenge us or change how we live in this world. Jesus is the word of life. That's the first one. Verse 1 says, he is the word of life. If you're reading with me, 1 John chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. And this one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we've seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. And we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Jesus, the Bible said in verse 1, is the word of life. He is the word of life. For anybody that is an expert on the subject of anything, we say the following phrase. He wrote the book on fill in the blank. You need to talk to that person because she wrote the book on this. Like she, it, it, this is a, the supreme authority, the source of knowledge and truth. And the scripture says that Jesus wrote the book on life. How we do life 
He is the supreme authority as the Son of God who came to live on this earth with all knowledge, all authority, and the holy character of God. He is the supreme authority on living. He is the Word of life. And because Jesus is the Word of life, He is number one book on your shelf for how to do it for yourself. He is the number one resource of how we are to act, think, walk, and talk. He is the Word of life. Now, listen to this in verse 2. The one who is life itself was revealed to us. Yes, Jesus is the word of life, but Jesus is life itself. Jesus is not only the how-to, he is the is. Now, that's deeper than my simple mind can go. So I've worked on that a lot this week. Jesus is also the is. Your Bible, if you have the King James Version, it may say, for the life was manifested or displayed. Now listen, it says the life, not a life, but the life. As plain as I can make it, even though it's difficult to put it into words, Jesus is the meaning of life. According to the Bible, he is the definition of it. And this week when we are are studying, as I've been studying the life relative to its meaning, I read this article from an educated professional who submitted an article relative to psychology and human psychology and the mind and the meaning of life. And this is what he said. Even if God exists, and even if he had an intelligent purpose in creating us, no one really knows what his purpose might be or that it is especially meaningful. I would think that he's exactly right, unless he's exactly wrong. And the reason I say that is because the Scripture says God has revealed himself. Therefore, if God has revealed himself and he says that Jesus is life, purpose is found in Jesus. It's that simple. He has revealed himself. Verse 2, the one who is life was revealed to us. As I went on and I read this article, he then goes on to say, the point is not what we expect from life, but what life expects from us. Now, knowing that Jesus is life, brother, I 100% agree with you. This is what he said again. The point is not, the meaning of life is not what we expect from life, it's what life expects from us. And now that God has defined life as Jesus, Jesus is the meaning of life. He is life. He's the all-important answer to why we are here and what we are doing. Stop looking for the answer to who you should be and what you should do within your feelings. That'll lead you all over the place. You'll be a roller coaster of purpose. If you trust the way that you feel, because I could change tomorrow. So all of a sudden, your feelings change, you change your purpose. Changes over a decade, changes over a chapter of your life. Stop looking to people that are smarter than you or who you think are smarter than you to tell you what should be the purpose of your life. When God has revealed himself and said that Jesus is life, that's it. You don't have to look any further. Line up with God. He's the living authority on it all. And then, in this first section, it makes the point very clear that Jesus is eternal life. See, all of this about living and Jesus, it makes us think to ourselves, are we seeking him at all? Have we talked to him this week? Have we sought out his character in the word of God? Have we aligned ourselves with his character, with his purpose, with his mission? Because if Jesus is life and we're living our best life, that's two different things in one world. Jesus is eternal life, the Bible says. He is eternal in his nature, in his makeup, as God. Jesus existed from the beginning, the Bible says. 
And when you put the knowledge together of the fact that Jesus is eternal and he says that we can know and believe in him and that we too will have eternal life, if he's eternal, if he's eternal we can have a relationship with him, we too will be with him in eternity. Eternal life. Y'all didn't hear that. You know what? You'll hear this. You know what's not been mentioned and will not be mentioned in chapter 1 of 1 John according to life in Jesus? Death. It ain't even there. Hallelujah! Death is not even mentioned in chapter 1 because it's so focused on eternal life, life itself, purpose of life is in Jesus. We're not even talking about death. Because in Jesus Christ there is life and life eternal. John chapter 5 verse 26, the Bible says, The Father has life in Himself. If you're wondering about the creation of God, there is no creation of God. God exists within Himself. That's what the Bible says. And because He has this life-giving power, He gives it to the Son. And if you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. Heaven is what I'm talking about. My daughter asked me, yes, sir. My daughter asked me last night. She said, Daddy, if you're saved, you go to heaven. I said, yes, ma'am, you sure do. Whosoever has the Son has life. And these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you've turned from your sin and turned to God and called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, guess what? You get heaven. You don't deserve it. And I don't either, but I'm sure glad he gives it. And he's paid for it by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of life. He is life eternal. And y'all, he is life. He's the whole purpose, the whole meaning. All of this, when we talk about in real life as Christians, this brings it all back into focus for all of us. Now, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, as we talk about living in fellowship, living in real life as Christians. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. My earliest memories of the word fellowship and the application of the word fellowship revolve around an activity at church. For many of you, that may be the same thing. If you grew up in church, when you think about fellowship, you think about the church, which is exactly right. Growing up, every fifth Sunday at our church, every fifth Sunday, which is church language, isn't it? Every fifth Sunday, we had a fellowship supper at the church that I grew up in. Somebody say amen. Right? So you, you know what that's about. So what I mean is, is that the earliest memories of fellowship in my spiritual life involved love, laughter, round tables, and deviled eggs. Like that's what I thought of when I thought of fellowship. We're going to get together and somebody's going to make a casserole, eat deviled eggs, and chicken. It's going to be great. And I'm very thankful to have grown up in that church that where there was a gathering where people loved one another. And they were together long enough and for quite some time where they shared in each other's burdens and they walked through life together and they prayed for one another and they served together. And, and that's all that biblical fellowship is. Biblical fellowship is more, though, than just love, laughter, and a spread of casseroles. And so we need to think today because as I see it in First John and throughout the book, you're going to see repetitive idea of fellowship that it is important if you are a christian you are within the fellowship of the living god and fellowship in real life likely looks more like something biblical than what you have in mind the first thing is this it's greater than a gathering 
It's greater than a gathering. In fact, the Bible's going to tell us it's participation and partnership. That's what real fellowship is. Greater than a gathering is participation and partnership. In verse 3, you're going to see, as we read there, we proclaim to you this proclamation. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. What you're seeing here is that this proclamation is an invitation. Jesus, because God has revealed himself through the person of Jesus and made salvation available, that means that you can get in on what we're in on. That is an invitation from the Apostle John. This is the first purpose of this letter to the churches. It was making its rounds from church after church after church for the purpose of telling people who were coming to church to hear about the truth of God that you too can be on the inside, that you can know the one true God. You see, to assume that this letter was for saved people alone. Y'all hearing that beeping just like I am? I can tell. As I'm reading the room, everybody's like, yeah, I hear you, preacher. What is that? We good? I'm looking at y'all like, okay. All right, I got a thumbs up. Let's, let's, let's go back. <laughs> beep, 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 like something's backing up. The first purpose of this letter was to invite others to believe. It was an invitation to the gospel. But this letter was written to the churches. So to assume that everyone who would receive this letter was a saved person is the same thing as for me to assume that every time I preach, all of y'all are saved. That's a dangerous assumption, man. To assume that every time there's a gathering of a church that we shouldn't preach the gospel and give an invitation is a dangerous assumption that every single person in here is right with God and there's nothing going on in their life. So in effect, what you've got in 1 John, this letter is a letter of outreach. Christian, if you are a Christian and fellowship with this church, outreach is a part of what you do. It's biblical. You'll find it in the scriptures. Go, the Bible says. You're going to see this as, as he is sending this letter out. He can't walk all that way to invite people around him. So he sends a letter and says, pass this on because we found the one true God. He's revealed himself to us and I want everybody else to know about it. Y'all, there's a community of people that's coming in this week. They'll be here this week and then on Thursday night, family night, they're coming in again. And some of them may have been in church all their life. A lot of them may not have been in church for a long time and they're going to see how you act. See how you reach to them, whether or not you'll be accommodating and hospitable, and whether or not we'll go out and we'll go see them and meet them where they are. Outreach is a part of what you do. Therefore, outreach will be on our calendar because as I see it in here, that's what we are part of being doing, and, and so you need to be a part of that too. And I mean all of you. When I have stuff on the calendar for outreach, I think everybody should be there. I'll just be honest. I would not back off of that either. Now, I'll have to go somewhere else if y'all want me to, because I'm not. Outreach is what we do. How selfish of us to keep salvation for ourselves and hope that they find it out there through some other medium. And, and the reason I bring that up is because this is what 1 John is. It's the invitation. So that you may have fellowship with us. Well, it makes me uncomfortable. Well, then join the rest of us. Trust the Holy Spirit. 
If you have the joy of a right relationship with God through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, outreach is a part of your DNA. We are just like John and in inviting others. Goodness, to send somebody a letter. You see it here, you, if you're concerned about their salvation. I'm passionate about that, so you're going to get a lot of that. The, the word fellowship, the word fellowship means that we belong to more than a gathering. We're more than just a number. We're more than just a picture in a directory. We're more than just a name on a roll. We're partners. Partners in the gospel. That's what the idea of, of fellowship is. We are partners and participants in the salvation of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. That's what real fellowship is. If you look in Luke chapter 5 verse 10, you're going to see a similar word for fellowship and it's going to liken to partnership because James and John were the partner of Peter, partners that were in the fishing business. And then when Jesus flipped them, they became fishers of men together. Together. It's partnership in the mission of Christ. This associates the the mission of Jesus and salvation in Jesus. Fellowship for believers means that you would meet and share the things of Christ. That's what it means. You would meet and you would share the things of Christ. Where I grew up, there's a little store down from the house that we grew up in. And it served lunch. And it served, uh, well, basically it just served lunch. And what we called it was dinner. Anybody in here call lunch dinner? Brittany and I have this conversation all the time. What? We're, it's 12 o'clock. We're not eating dinner. Well, we called it dinner. And everybody else in the community that we grew up in called it dinner. And the farmers in our community would go eat dinner at 12 o'clock. They would go to this store, and there was a long table in this store, and they would all sit down together, and they would sit and they'd have a chicken leg or a cheeseburger or whatever. And they came together, and they talked, and they laughed together. And they had just come from the field together. They had the same calluses on their hands together from the work that they did. They had oil and dirt on their clothes together. They enjoyed being together. They talked about corn and cows together. They talked about cotton and combines together. Same language, same purpose. And then after dinner was over, and after they had laughed and enjoyed their time together, they went back out on mission, the same thing together. What I saw growing up every time I went in that store was an absolute picture of fellowship. If you're a farmer, you meet and you share in the things of farming. If you're a Christian, you meet and you share in the things of Jesus. That is his salvation and his mission. Don't try to get yourself out of it. Just go head first into it. That's who you are. And that's what real fellowship is. Our conversation should be similar. Our work should be similar. Our joy should be similar. When we talk about somebody getting saved, everybody ought to be excited. When we talk about 400 kids coming in to hear the gospel, everybody ought to be excited. And when we talk about praying for them, everybody ought to pray. Because we're all doing the same work, same mission. Same thing, we got on the same clothes. It's a picture of fellowship right here. Fellowship is greater than a gathering. Fellowship is greater than a gathering. It's participation. It's partnership. And don't leave here without a sense of how can I help. Don't leave here without that sense. How can I help? That's what the church does. Don't be on the outside looking in. What can you do? How can you serve? How can you help? Fellowship is participating in a participation and partnership. Fellowship is way more than a word. It's a way. Way more than a word. It's a way. Part of the motivating factor of John writing about the spiritual condition of believers 
was his, his concern. Some of them were careless in their walk. And so he wrote to explain, this is what true fellowship looks like, y'all. Like he was writing to those who did not believe to invite them in. And to those who did believe, he was telling them, this is what it really looks like to walk with God. Because at this time, in this context, there were a lot of people that claimed fellowship with God, but did not live a life of fellowship with God, and they did not express his character. So he writes to, to clear all this up. Read with me in verses 5 through 7. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to see two conditional statements in that passage of Scripture. If we say and if we live. If. If we say and if we live. Verse 6. We are lying if we say we have fellowship, but go on living in spiritual darkness. If we say, if we say we are a participant and partner in Christianity, but we live a life that practices everything that we feel or practices everything that we want to do and don't want to do or practices what we're influenced by the culture to do, we're not saved. I want you to hear that. If our life practices what culture values what we feel or what we want, if that determines our life, we are not saved. That's a bold statement. I get it. And you may be thinking, well, that's judgmental. Would you rather me just assume everybody's good? Or how about we just, I, I, I don't make this stuff up. I just have to report it. I read it from the Word of God. We are lying, the Bible says. If we, have, if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living like we don't know Him at all. We're not right with God, if that is the case. Again, the Bible says that claims for Christianity without a reflection of God's character is lying to yourself and to others. I don't know if y'all know this. I'm a bodybuilder. You are. That's what I said, isn't it? Said I'm a bodybuilder. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I can say I am all I want to. The proof is in what I'm living. Man, this is such a serious thing that God... Church, you cannot wash over this. If anything, when I hear this and I'm walking a guilty distance from God, I want to make sure I'm in. I want to make sure I'm right with God. If we practice darkness and God is only light, our words tell one story and our life tells another. Teenagers, I'm very led right now. Teenagers and college kids, you may excuse the chapter of life that you're in and all the stuff you're getting into as according to your youth, God's word is for you as well. You don't get off the hook just because you're 16, 17 through 28 years old. If you are practicing it without, with, with distance from God and without any draw to God, and, and there is no light in your life, and you're here today only because your mom and daddy made you to be, or spouse, you're here today only because they want you to be and you keep coming in here, if there's a practice in your life of all you want to do, 
and all the culture says that you should do and that you should be happy above all this, guess what the Bible says? It's a warning that you may not be saved. That's serious stuff. Quit playing, church. Just quit playing. Everyone who joins this church has a conversation with a decision counselor or with a pastor about their life before God. They sit down with us. We want to join the church. And there's two ways you can join the church. It's, it's both of them. It's not one or. It's two ways. New members class, which we just had, and there was a bunch of folks in there, and it was awesome. And we get to tell you who we are and what you can expect and all that kind of stuff. But the other is a conversation that matters with a decision counselor or a, a pastor on the staff about your salvation. And it's there where you get to express through your words how, how you know that God has saved you. And it's the same as me. I, I stand up here and I tell you my testimony. I share with you that I, I was a sinner and I thought I was good and I was a church kid. And then the Holy Spirit of God wrecked me one night. That you're a sinner, man. You're separate from God. You need Jesus too, church kid. And so that night I called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. But y'all, you've heard me say that over and over. That's great. Our testimony is a testament of faith and we should know it and share it. But it's just words if we don't live it. It's just words. It's fellowship with other believers and fellowship with God is way more than a word. It's a way. Now, verse 7. The Bible says, but if we are living in the light and God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Living in the light is, is living by the truth of God's word. Living in the life is, is following the example of Jesus, meaning as we live, it is our practice and our desire to obey God and to live by his word. If we are living in the light, I want you all to see this. If we are living in the light, we have two important things here the Bible gives us. Number one, if we're living in the light, it means fellowship. If you've had a weekend of sin, guess where you won't want to go on Sunday morning? That's what sin does. Sin always makes you feel, saved, feel unsaved. Tony Evans says, wherever there's sin, a death occurs. Now, if you're a Christian and, and you are walking a guilty distance from God, you don't lose your relationship with God, but definitely your fellowship is broken with God. It's the same in any relationship. My wife and I use this all the time. If we've got something against each other, until we confess and forsake that and get it right, there's still going to be this distance between us. And so when that, that, think again of what the Bible is saying. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. Meaning that there will not be this feeling of, oh, I know what's going to happen when I get there. God's Spirit's going to convict me again. I mean, that's real. I've, I've been through that myself. But if we are living in the light, you come to church different. You come to the gathering and fellowship of believers different. When you are living in the light, you can finally start asking people how they're doing. When you're living in the light, you sit in a circle and listen to somebody else's burden so that you can share in them when you're living in the light. But when we're walking in darkness and picking it back up and putting it down all the time, every time we come in here, I tell you we're not thinking about others. Others. The Bible says if we're living in the light, we'll have fellowship with each other. And then it says we'll have fellowship. Oh, y'all, you don't need to hear this because it's good. You'll have fellowship with the blood of Jesus, his son, who cleanses us from all sin. That's ongoing cleansing. Ongoing. 
For those of you that are really saved and in Christ and you think about the last bad decision you made, the blood of Jesus, as you confess and forsake that sin and walk with Christ again, the blood of Christ continues to cover you. Now, that's good. That's real good news. Ongoing cleansing of sin for those ongoing in Christ. And as we continually walk in the Lord, the Lord continually covers our sin. Thank God Almighty. There's not another animal that needs to be killed. We don't have to go back and say and recite things. And it's the blood of Jesus covers us as we turn from ourselves and turn to God and live and believe in Him. It's a practice in our life. Here's another sports analogy. Y'all ready? Seems like we have one of these every Sunday. And I think it'll help you. I was coaching middle school baseball years ago. We had this kid that was on the team that made uh, a bad decision. And, and his punishment for that bad decision is he had to sit out a game. He was suspended. And so he came to me and I told him, I said, man, you're out today. You're not going to play today. He said, I understand. I said, but you be there with your uniform on in that dugout along with everybody else. And he and his dad could not understand why I would have them drive 45 minutes away for him to put that uniform on and sit in the dugout. In fact, he showed up in his street clothes. I said, you better have your uniform. <laughs> he said, well, I've got it. I said, well, put it on. You're going to sit right here with us. You see, he thought, and this is a little bit, he didn't want to play, he didn't want to be there, but he thought he was disqualified from the team because of a bad decision. No, no, no. His name's on the roster, and he practices every day. And because he does, he's still on the team, and he's got that covering, and he'll put it on. If you have been in that place before, where you think one decision is going to disqualify you, but your heart is bent towards confession and forsaking, turn from your sin and turn to God and stand on the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus and come to church and serve God and throw your hands up and worship and you turn on and keep going. That's, that's the good news of the cleansing power of Jesus. Look, if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, like, man, I, I've had a bad week. It's just been a bad week. Well, it can be a good week once you realize that Jesus' blood covers you and cleanses you ongoing. Man, that is such a powerful truth. But here's the other side of that. Don't lie to yourself either. Don't lie to yourself either. If, if you are out of fellowship with the church, if you are out of fellowship with God, if your life and its practice looks like walking in darkness, it is what it is. Don't try to sweeten your life when it ain't sweet. It is what it is. We will always need the grace of God. Because our sin nature does not go away when we get saved. So we'll always need God's grace and His mercy when we go astray. But if we are walking and practicing holiness, there will be no fear of not being forgiven. As God promises to forgive those who are living in the light. Real salvation is enduring. I've said this before, and I believe it. It's better that you struggle than quit. God can do a lot with the guys that are struggling. But he, you are not meant to stay in the struggle. God has given you power, not just over the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. He's freed us from that. Finally, real fellowship. It's more than a word, it's a way. It's more than a gathering, it's participation and partnership. And finally, it's stronger than short-lived. It remains. Real fellowship with the church and with God remains. Now turn your attention as we close.
to the final point in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. This is what the Bible says. It's a repetitive word. It's important. So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. If you remain faithful to what you've taught from the beginning, you remain faithful in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy, and that's a key word, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. Here's the context of, of chapter 2. Influences that are rival to Jesus are leading people away, telling people that Jesus is not the truth, He's not the way, and leading them away from the sovereignty of God and the identity of God as the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so, in this... First John, John is warning them about influences that would drag them away and, and encouraging them to remain in their faith. Leaving the church, and I don't mean the local church, leaving the church proves that you were never in the church. That's tough to take, isn't it? Is that my opinion? Nope. As I said, I'm just reading and reporting. Verse 19 of chapter 2. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. Yeah, but they hurt my feelings. Well, skip on down to that other church and see what happens. You know what they got there? People. Yeah, but... They don't have exactly the thing that we're looking for when it comes to community. Y'all, we don't come here initially for community. We come here for Jesus. If you're a Christian, you go to church because of Jesus. If you're here because of Jesus, when your feelings do get hurt, you'll tough it out. If you're here because of Jesus, you'll understand what we're doing, why we're doing, some changes that we make. If you're here because of Jesus... A lot of church, we need to hear this today. A lot of times we come to churches not for Jesus. We, we want our children to have community. We want our, our teenagers to have friends. Our children and our teenagers need Jesus. And once they understand what they have in the value of Jesus Christ, fellowship comes with that. Real fellowship. It's, it's, just too, it's just too easy. It's just too easy. Church, we're not, it's too easy for us to just be like, you know what, things are not going our way. Let's just see what they got going on over here. And honestly, this is more talking about, and some, I realize in saying that, some of you may go back to your other church. And that's the risk we take, I guess. But I still believe it's true. Now, I would say, if your church is not doing anything, you come on in here because we're going to put stuff on the calendar that we value, that God values. But we are too quick sometimes to jump ship because our feelings get hurt or things are not going our way. We are here because of the redemptive love of Jesus Christ who paid the price for our sins. He owns us. We belong to Him. That is why we are here. That is why we sing. That is why we give. That is why we fellowship. It is Jesus, the Christ. It's Him. You're in church and you stay because of Jesus. I think I got that point across. 
But if we have no fellowship with the universal church, and again, you can still be here this morning and not have fellowship with the universal church. You can be here because somebody made you come. If we have no fellowship with the church and desired fellowship with the church, and we have no partnership in the movement of the church, and there's none to speak of, it's a great indicator that we don't have fellowship with the Father or the Son. Again, it's tough to take. Notice verse, notice verse 24. The Bible says in verse 24, remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you remain faithful from what you've been taught from the beginning, if you do this, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Last night, Saturday nights for me are edit, editing, and I'm, I'm looking at and reading over the message for Sunday morning and final touches and all that kind of stuff. We're sitting there, and I look over at Brittany, and I said, Brittany, what is it that we taught our children from the beginning ever since they could learn to know better? What are those things that we taught our children? Let me give you a short list of these. This is the first one she said. This is good. No, no. Hey, somebody, right? Now, some of y'all may be like, no, you know. <laughs> but... No, no. What is that? It's an establishment of right and wrong. What we say is right, what you think is wrong. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the communication we're trying to give. What else did we say to them? Do not hit. <laughs> Some of your kids may have been hit by our kids. I don't know. You can let me know that. <laughs> but what are we doing? Now we're establishing how to treat people. Do not hit. Share. No, no, no. We share. It's just cheeses. Just we share Ritz crackers, toys. Like this is this is again how we treat people. Brittany had this one. This is awesome. She said that one of the things we taught our kids at the very beginning was this: "Come here, come here." When they first started walking, first started moving, "Come here, come here," right? And when they did, what we're doing is when we say move. Move, but also we want you in close fellowship with us. We want you here. These are the things that we taught them from the beginning. Be sweet and all these things. Now that my kids are, are a little bit older, now my son's 11 and Noel's 8, this is, we have a theme for the summer. We have a theme for what we're trying to accomplish in our household this summer with our children. What is it? Help and listen. <laughs> it's real simple. Help and listen. So we've graduated from be sweet, and we've graduated from don't hit to please listen and help us. Right? <laughs> These are the things that are taught from the beginning. If we do those things, we are in good fellowship. Christians, what have you been taught from the beginning? What is it? What have you been taught ever since you were a Christian, whether it was a kid or if you became a Christian last year, what are the things that you were taught as a Christian? Here's one. Obey the Lord. When we think about the Great Commission and go and tell and baptize, you know what Jesus says? After he says, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he says, teach them to obey. Before you get into all the theological discussions, and before you get into all the doctrinal statements of the church, the first thing that God wants to teach his people is that he's up here and you're down here because he is the loving authority. You do what he says. That's, that's the first thing he wants us to know. We are accountable to God. Obey the Lord. You've been taught that 
from the beginning. What else? Worship the Lord. Express your heart and your gratitude. Praise the Lord. Pray to the Lord. I mean, when we say please pray for VBS, we're not doing that because it's a religious thing. We need to take these kids before God. We need to pray all week long for the workers. This is a great evangelism outreach. We're going to pray that. We pray to the Lord. If we remember to pray, what's your prayer life like? Are you praying because Christians pray? What else? Gather together. That's, don't forsake your getting together. That's in there. The, the reason why you would come to church is so that we hear the word of God, that we pray together, serve together, move together, real fellowship. Grow in your faith. Serve God. These are things that we've been taught from the beginning. And what does the Bible say? If you remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning, you'll be in real fellowship with God the Father and the Son. The fundamentals lead to fellowship. That's what the Bible teaches. Real fellowship is stronger than short-lived. It remains. I want to tell you as we close, seriously, this is the closing. This section of Scripture teaches us this. If you read it, read, read through First John this summer. This section of Scripture teaches this. God's Spirit has solidified your want to. All the things that we've talked about today, praying for each other, loving one another, serving together, serving the body of Christ, going on outreach, worshiping the Lord, obeying the Lord, all the things we've talked about, if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God's already made it plain, you'll want to do it through the Spirit of God. Even if you have reservations about, I can't do that, the Spirit of God will want you to. That's what the Bible is teaching us, that God's Spirit has solidified this want to. And when God's Spirit leads, and when we're faithful to what He leads us to do, there is assurance that we can enjoy. Look, look at verse 25. And in this fellowship, when we remain faithful from the beginning, remain faithful in fellowship with the Son and with the Father, in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promises. Hey, if you're in Christ, did you know that you got eternal life right now? I'm talking about right now. You got it. That'll change the way that you attend church. Change the way that you wake up in the morning. Heaven is yours. And enjoy that fact. And enjoy the blessing that is to come. And know that it is God's Spirit inside of you that is giving you the desires to do what pleases God, the Bible says. In real life, Christians live in fellowship that's more than a gathering. It's way more than words. And it is stronger than short-lived. It remains. Will you stand with me? As you stand, I want to ask you a question. In real life, is Christians in fellowship? I want to ask you this today. Have you heard the message about living in the light or saying that you live in the light, you've heard the strong preaching truly of God's Word, is the Spirit of God drawing you closer, drawing you back, or drawing you in? Drawing you in means that you've truly, in your heart and mind, if you're being honest, you've never really been on the inside at all. You've been to church, you grew up in Christian culture, but it's never been personal. Is God drawing you in to a personal place of decision this morning? That's why we have pastors at the front. That's why we would talk to you after. But is God drawing you closer? As you are challenged by God's truth that he would want you to be in closer fellowship with him, even as you're walking with him, he wants you to come here, come in a little bit closer to where he's going. Let me put this one to you. 
Or is the Spirit of God calling you back? You have a real and right relationship with God. But God's Spirit is calling you back. Rededication, whatever you want to call it. Reconciliation to God. Let us help with that. That's why there's a decision box for rededication so that you're letting the church know, I want to come back and be back. What is it? The Spirit of God drawing you closer, drawing you in, drawing you back. Move, I'm telling you. If the Spirit of God is leading you, move. and Don't look back. Lord Jesus, we open up this altar. We've got people in place to help your people. And Lord, to help those who are desiring to respond to the invitation of the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. He is God. And in Him we can be saved. Lord, we know that even after we're saved, we're going to need your help to live right. God, there's some strongholds in our life and we need your spirit to break the power and the chains of sin. But that we would trust in you that you will do your work in us. Lord, as we again open this altar, I pray that your spirit would make all this plain and simple, Lord. And so impactful, God, that we would move towards people we know that can help us. I pray, Lord, that we would sing and worship in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you. We have people here to help you. I don't want to hear anymore. Teach me to listen. I don't want to see anymore. Give me a vision that you could move this heart to be set apart. I don't need to recognize the man in the mirror. I don't want to trade your plans for something familiar. I can't waste a day. I can't stay the same. I want to be different, I want to be changed, till all of me is gone, all that remains is a fire so bright, the whole world can see, there's something different, come and be different in me. I don't want to spend my life stuck in a pattern. I don't want to gain this world but lose what matters. So I'm giving up everything because I want to be different, want to be changed till all of me is gone. All that remains is a fire so bright whole world can see there's something different come and be different oh I know that I am far from perfect through you the cross still says I'm worth it take back this beating in my heart and come and what you started when they see me let them see you I just want to be different yeah I want to be different I want to be changed all of me is gone all that remains 
is a fire so bright the whole world can see there's something different come and be different i want to be different could you be different in me is going to come here in just a moment. He's going to give you some announcements. I want to let you know that on your way out, that offering bucket that's there, um, if, if you've made a decision, you, you need to be saved, you want to join the church, you, you need to be baptized, whatever that is, uh, just, just ask that you would consider placing that, that card in the bucket on your way out. And let, us, let us help you. Let us follow, uh, follow up with you. Uh, we're so thankful for you being here today. Greg's going to give us some announcements. Thank you, Pastor. I'd also like to thank Zach for leading for us today. Love you, brother. Uh, Thank you and your family for being here. Um, As Andy John said, uh, don't forget to drop those Connect cards in the bucket on your way out. Or uh, as we just found out today, our um, bodybuilding uh, pastor will be right out those double doors on your way out working out if you want to have a time of meet and greet uh, on your way out. This Wednesday, we will not have Wednesday night services at 630 because our Wednesday nights will be uh, moved to Thursday night for our family night to celebrate VBS in here at 630. I'm sorry, at 6 o'clock. Be in here at 6 o'clock on Thursday night. And with that note, I'm going to ask Lori Carter. Uh, She's our children's ministry uh, director. Um, she's kind of leading on our VBS. She's going to come up and share a few things with you, and sh- then she will uh, call up all of our VBS workers and pray over and commission uh, those workers, and we'll be dismissed after that. Thank you, Greg. Um, I just wanted to first mention, Pastor Andy John said in his sermon today um, that part of our fellowship is that we are here um, at the church to share the mission. And man, do we have an opportunity to share the mission this week. As of this morning, we have over 400 children registered for our Vacation Bible School That is so super exciting. Um, God is giving us these children to love on, to pour into, to teach about him. And we couldn't be more blessed, church. We have leaders who have taken off work, volunteers that are giving them their time and talents. And um, that's just awesome. So I want to call, if you are a volunteer for VBS, no matter what capacity we have, administration, we have teachers, we have snack people, craft leaders. If you'll come on up and join me here in front of the stage, we'd like to pray over you this morning. And as they're coming up, I wanted to um, tell you, you know, um, Pastor Andy John also said that we come to church for Jesus and to remember what you were taught from the beginning as a church. And part of that is obedience. God has blessed this church with an abundance of children over in our children's ministry. And we have opportunities to serve beyond BBS. We need connect group leaders. We need child care volunteers at 1030. We also need Wednesday night volunteers. So if you will pray with me and if God has called you to serve in some capacity with our children's ministry, I will be down front after with my little notepad here. And I would love to take your name and number because um, God can use you. He can use you in a mighty way. And we pray that's what he does with all of these people. Look at this church. I mean, let's give them a hand. You know, it takes over 100 volunteers to put on BBS as we'd like to. So um, I just thank each of you for giving of your time and talent. So if we could bow our heads and let's pray over them this morning. 
Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I just thank you for each of them, Lord. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for their willingness to serve God. Lord, I just pray that you would protect them, protect their health this week. And Lord, most of all, God, um, guard their heart and their attitude. We're going to have kids coming to us from all walks of life, Lord, and um, they may be burdened with things that they want to share with our volunteers, Lord. I just pray that our hearts can be open and that our attitudes, even when the going gets tough and we're flustered because we have so many kids, help us to remember that that is such a blessing that we have these kids, God. And I just pray that you would um, lead, God, and protect each of these volunteers, Lord. And we just thank you for blessing our church with this wonderful opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are dismissed.